Hello, I'm Amanda Jezik, IDSA's Senior Vice President for Public Policy and Government Relations. Welcome to IDSA's COVID-19 podcast series that aims to keep IDSA members, medical professionals, and the public informed during this pandemic by talking with experts in the field of infectious diseases. In this episode, we'll be talking with IDSA President-elect Carlos Del Rio and IDSA Public Health Committee Chair Julie Weishampayan about the latest information on the Omicron variant. Thank you both for joining us today. Dr. Del Rio, let's begin with you. What do we know so far about the Omicron variant and how far has it spread here in the U.S.? Well, you know, what we've learned so far is that this is a highly transmissible variant. And I think what we're learning is how rapidly it's spreading. You know, in South Africa, it essentially has become the predominant variant. And uh, many people are thinking that in Europe, it would probably become as poised to become the predominant variant pretty soon. In the UK, they, they said that they should expect it to be in the next uh, several weeks to become the predominant variant. Here in the US, we have identified in at least 30 states, and some of those cases have been in travelers, but some have been in people who have not traveled anywhere, which means that there is local transmission already happening. And many of those individuals have been fully vaccinated individuals. Again, emphasizing the fact that you could be vaccinated and you can still be infected with Omicron. The data that we're beginning to get suggests that if you have been boosted, you are more protected against Omicron. So this is why the CDC and you know the president's plan includes giving boosters for everybody. In addition to its high transmissibility, what else is so unique about this particular variant? Well, we're still in the process of learning more about this particular variant, right? I mean, it's what's, what's very unique is how many mutations it has. This makes it a, a variant that has over 52 different mutations, uh, many of them in the spike protein in, in areas that impact transmissibility, many of them in the area that impacts susceptibility to antibodies, both to external antibodies, like the case of monoclonals, but also to antibodies like the ones you generate after you've been infected or the ones you get after being vaccinated. And we don't know if it also is associated with with more severe disease or not. The data so far suggests that it may not be associated with severe disease. But I think I think we need to be careful in saying that because we have not really seen this variant uh, in the populations that we know are more likely to have severe disease, which is primarily older individuals. Dr. Weishampayan, from a public health perspective, how are we responding to the Omicron variant? We're working very hard to better understand this variant. How does it differ? Like, how does it differ from Delta? How does it differ from other variants that have circulated and are now circulating? How well will our vaccines protect? How well will our treatments work? So these are the questions that is working hard to to answer. Everywhere around the world, in the United States, everyone is working as fast as they can to really better understand this variant. Well, so to answer these questions, how do you do that? Working to detect the cases early and then conduct in-depth contact invest- or case investigation and contact tracing. So, you know, you really want to understand how this disease acts in individual people and then how is it spreading? So looking at the contacts, you know, what's their vaccination status? Do, have they had previous infection? So looking at all of those to try to better define this variant and how it acts. So how do we do that? Right. There's there's somewhere around 100,000 new cases in the United States each day right now. So it's really impossible to to investigate them all. And it's impossible to to figure out which ones, um, you know, are more at risk 
at risk. So when you look at um, how you choose those more at risk, we saw this first begin to spread in the community in Southern Africa. So really targeting travelers from Southern Africa is really the best place to start to try to find this variant and then define how it is spreading. But as Dr. Del Rio said, again, the data we're gathering on all of this may not be generalizable to the population. When we're looking at travelers, they tend to be healthier because they're able to travel at the time. They do tend to be more affluent. They tend to be more vaccinated due to requirements by um, many countries. And so care must be taken really in interpreting these early data and trying to generalize it to the population. Distinction, excellence, service. Set yourself apart today. Become a fellow of IDSA. Visit idsociety.org forward slash FIDSA to apply. Dr. Weishampayan, what role does testing play in our response to Omicron? Yeah, so testing is, is crucial really to identify people who are infected and for a couple of reasons. First, we want them to take actions to protect themselves, such as if they're at risk for severe disease. There are some treatments available before the disease gets severe. It's also crucial that they can take action to care for others and staying home, stopping further spread, letting their contacts know and so that they can, they can take the steps that they need to protect themselves. Really, all testing is extremely important for that. But when we look at specific testing, we really want to look at our PCR testing because this is crucial because then those samples are available for whole genome sequencing. And this is the whole genome sequencing that can identify what variants are, are, are spreading and circulating and detect the emergence of new variants in, in our community. It's not, again, possible, really not necessary as well, to sequence all samples. So we need to have a good sampling strategy, kind of like polling. You need to have a good strategy to try to get representative answers um, for the from the community. So while I think at this time the U.S. now has a sufficient quantity of whole genome sequencing, they're really sequencing enough. There are gaps in coverage. For example, people living in urban centers are really more likely to have whole genome sequencing and there's less coverage in rural areas. So I think there's some work yet to include to improve the representativeness of the way these samples are selected for whole genome sequencing. And we could close this surveillance gap and really get better, uh, more generalizable information. This variant appeared right around Thanksgiving. What impact do you think the Omicron variant will have on our upcoming holidays? Is it safe for people to gather at this time? Emergence of a new variant is always concerning, and and there's a lot of hard work going on to understand it, as we've discussed. You know, it's really hard to predict the future, so trying to predict the impact of Omicron on the upcoming holidays is extremely difficult, or the impact of the upcoming holidays on the spread of Omicron. But I continue to believe that people can gather safely, and gathering with our loved ones is extremely important, especially during the holiday times. It's important for our mental health. It's important for our physical health. And so the question is, how can we gather more safely? And so we know the fundamentals, right? We know how to protect ourselves from this and other respiratory viruses. So again, this is a respiratory virus. It spreads person to person through the air. Someone's breathing out the virus, someone's breathing it in. So when we think about those basics, we know how to protect ourselves. So, of course, the best way to protect yourself is get vaccinated, right? And get your booster. So this gets your body at a point where it can protect itself when you breathe in the virus. And the booster raises that antibody level up to a point where it's just poised and ready to stop the viruses as they come into your body. 
And then you want to take steps to reduce the amount of virus that you breathe in. So wearing a mask um, reduces the amount of virus you breathe in. It reduces the amount of virus someone else brings out. And so it's protecting you from in inhaling this and getting infected. Increasing the ventilation. If you're indoors and you have control of the ventilation, you can really increase your ventilation. You can open windows. You could try to move events outside. You can avoid crowds and keep your distance from people. Those can be really hard when gathering, especially if you have out-of-town guests coming to stay in your home. And some other things you can do is wash your hands thoroughly and often. That, that will help us. And then testing really helps. It's an additional layer that you can implement. It's not going to protect you, but it can early detection and then prevent more spread after detecting. And then, if, of course, if you're sick, um, you stay home and cover your coughs and sneezes, and this will decrease the amount of the virus that's being shared with others. So, these actions protect from COVID. They protect from all respiratory viruses, including influenza. So they're good actions to take all the time. So as you're planning your gathering, think about local transmission. Is it high where you are? Think about the transmission of the people who are coming to gather with you. Is it high where they're coming from? And then you look at the people gathering, how at risk for severe disease are those who are coming? Is it your 90-year-old mother? Because that's going to be at higher risk than your 20-year-old cousin. I mean, then you think about the layers that you can implement to protect your loved ones. If you can implement more testing, implement some mask wearing, sometimes difficult to move outside. But think about those layers and how you can implement additional layers to protect your loved ones. I want to follow up and ask specifically about travel. What additional policies or precautions do you think need to be taken during traveling? Like gathering, we don't want to stop all travel. The goal is to make it safer, right? So traveling by definition means mixing with new people. So we need to add layers, right? Add layers is a wise thing to do because we know we're going to be mixing with new people. When traveling specifically by public transportation, such as a plane, Testing is a good addition to masking and hand hygiene. Testing before and after domestic travel is important and recommended. So if you're traveling internationally, the flights tend to be much longer and you're sitting close to someone for a longer period of time. So we want to ensure that people are not infectious on those long flights. And so testing is now required one day prior to travel. And that's really to, to ensure that you're safe while in those long flights. Um, it's also highly recommended to test three to five days after travel. And of course, if symptoms develop. These last questions are for both of you. What do we know about the effectiveness of our current COVID-19 treatments against the Omicron variant? Well, I think, I think we're learning slowly about which, which treatments work and which treatments don't work. I think we're learning that some of the monoclonal antibodies are not as effective against uh, this variant, but other monoclonal antibodies uh, are. As we, we look at this, it, it's going to be very clear that, that some of them, for example, preclinical data suggests that sotrovimab uh, retains activity against mutants that contain the, the mutations in which the Omicron variant is characterized by. So it may be that some monoclonals are more effective than others. And I think, you know, clinical data will tell us over the next several weeks, which monoclonals will do better than others. I think as far as the other treatments, we have oral therapies that are beginning to be approved like molnupiravir. None of the mutations present suggest that molnupiravir should not work. But again, we need to have uh, we need to have clinical experience, right? And then finally, I think we need to understand what the impact of other therapies such as remdesivir and other therapies is going to be. The data is still to be generated, but overall, I think there will be some treatments, some monoclonal antibody therapies that are not going to work as effectively as we would have liked them to. 
And finally, you've both talked about the importance of vaccination and boosters, testing, hand hygiene. What would you really emphasize people do in order to protect themselves against this variant or future variants? Variants emerge when viruses replicate themselves and when they spread. So really, if we slow down spread and their chance to to replicate um, inside the body, this will slow the emergence of variants. And so uh, all those layers I talked about, again, slow spread, they protect you, they protect others, and they protect against variants. So extremely important to continue to follow these mitigation methods that we all know about. I think we're, again, still learning. But if you look at the data, for example, that has been generated, but let's say the Pfizer vaccine, Against Delta, if you were fully vaccinated with two doses and you were five months out, you got about a 60% vaccine uh, effectiveness. And if you got boosted, you got a third shot, you got that to about 95%. Against Omicron, two doses of Pfizer vaccine will get you to about 35% efficacy. So it comes down from 60% to 35%. And if you get boosted, you can increase that to about 75%. So again, not ideal, but clearly boosting does improve uh, significantly the level of protection you get. And again, emphasizing the need that we got to get people vaccinated because you do get some protection. But more importantly, we really have to get people globally vaccinated. I think, I, I, you know, I want to emphasize that while we are talking about boosting and third shots here in the U.S., most of the world is still waiting for their first shot. And, and really, in order to control this pandemic, we have to get people vaccinated. And I would hope that the, that the U.S. will take that leadership role because it's, it's really necessary. At this time, I'd like to thank Drs. Del Rio and Wei Shampayan for their time, participation, and expertise. For the latest information and resources on the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit IDSA's website, idsociety.org, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Tune in next time as another diverse panel of medical experts discusses the latest on this rapidly evolving pandemic. I'm Amanda Jessick. The views and opinions expressed here are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Involvement of CDC should not be viewed as endorsement of any entity or individual involved with the podcast.